Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how to commission it, when to use it, and really what's it all about. Join me, Greg Finley, and my colleague Sarah Turner, two executive coaches, for an honest conversation about coaching. And in today's episode, we ask the question, what might I expect from career coaching? So what I think is really interesting here is to really differentiate between what a career coach might offer compared to, say, someone who would give careers guidance or who might help you with your job search and writing your CV. And for me, as a career coach, it's often helping clients to think about what they really want from their career how they might develop their career and what's going to give them the most fulfillment and enjoyment. Yeah, and I think for me, most often it's come up as part of another engagement and your other corporate engagement. And so for me, it's been about what I do next with the career I have, as opposed to I want a completely new career. For me personally, if somebody comes to me and that's what they want, they're saying, I want something completely new completely different it's what what colors my parachute type stuff i would then refer them to someone else someone like you or or someone else who really specializes in that sort of stuff but yeah definitely it's not job search it's not cv writing it's not that sort of you know process yeah that's more practical yeah yeah it's about the why of it being able to process things with someone such that you get more clear on what is next for you with your career. And I think it's the processing part that's important. And when we were planning this podcast, we actually decided to break it out into two parts because there's so much that we could say. So for today's episode, we're really going to be focusing on why might working with a career coach as an individual make a difference? And then we're going to do a second part two, where we're going to think about career coaching in an organizational setting, which probably picks up a little bit on your point, Gregor, where it's come up as part of another program. Yeah, and I think some people might be thinking career coaching is only something that individuals do, but no, it's actually yeah. a really important thing, you know, career development within the corporate setting and, and coaches can help in that. So thinking about that. What are the key elements of your career coaching process? You kind of alluded to this before. So I actually started out my coaching career predominantly doing career coaching. And I've done a lot of work with clients who perhaps are re-evaluating what they want from their career. They may feel that they've been doing this job for 20 years. Maybe they fell into this career, didn't really give it much thought to begin with, or their mum or their dad suggested they go and be a lawyer. And so therefore, that's what they've done for 20 years. And they actually want to stop and reevaluate. So lots of different things that I might work on with a client. But the main thing, I think, is starting with what do you really want? Who are you? What motivates you? What interests you? And there's a number of different exercises we, we both shared, isn't there, that we would do with a client? Yeah, absolutely. Which have all got to do with a basic thing in coaching, which is increasing self-awareness. Yes. And I think this is where working with a career coach is what makes the difference because people, as you say, you mentioned, what color is my parachute? I mean, there's hundreds of books out there, self-help guides that, and, you know, websites that individuals can go to and work through on their own. But how does actually working with a coach make that difference? And for me, it's exactly as you've talked about there, it's increasing that self-awareness and helping the client perhaps to see things in a different perspective. So just giving an example, I'll often work with a client to help them 
understand what their real strengths are that they have to offer a future employer. And strengths are those things that naturally bubble up in us. They're effortless. We don't have to think too hard about it. It's just what makes us who we are. And really getting clear on what we're good at and what we have achieved and therefore what we have to offer a potential employer or a a changing career can be really empowering and really insightful. So I might do an exercise where I encourage a client to think about a peak experience, a peak moment when they were them at their best. So if I was doing that as a client, Sarah at her best, get a precise moment and really do a deep dive on what that looks like. What was I doing? What was I saying? What were the strengths I was using? And what does that tell me about what I have to offer a future employer? And that's the kind of self-awareness that only really you can get by value of working with a coach who will ask you the right kinds of questions to help really evoke that detail and provide that different lens on the experience. Yeah, I do something similar in terms of drawing a career timeline because there are peaks and there are troughs. And really looking at the patterns of what's present at the peaks, and that will be utilisation of strengths, but there will be other things that are really important that may not come through just for an individual sitting and thinking about it. It's really drilling in and asking more questions such that a pattern comes out that suddenly you can see well, this is these are the things that are really important. Yeah. For this person to be satisfied and these are the things that are really important to be avoided for this person to have a good career so i think yeah we both do that sort of peaks and identifying strengths and and some people they're not very good at looking at their own strengths because that's not their pattern their pattern is to look at where they need to develop rather than what they're already strong in and it's not yeah it's not natural to to do that is it to sit there and think what makes me brilliant <laughs> because it's our instinct to do the opposite of that you know as you say so i think having the value is of having a coach to really help you work that through and what i'll often do to build on that is to do a bit of thinking ahead in terms of where do you think you want to take your career not everybody knows that in precise detail as in 5 years time i think i want to be doing this role in this organisation but having a sense of the direction of travel that you want to go in and then working backwards and thinking about, so therefore what are the the skills or the strengths or the experiences that I need to get under my belt, as it were, so that in five years time, for example, I'm going to be in the best possible place to be able to secure that role. You mentioned uh, the word values. Mm. And I think that's something that working with a coach makes a difference because I think all of those self-help books, they've all got exercises around values. Mm. They'll all have a table of values that people will select. But there's something about working with a coach where you can put those values into a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. As well, really testing, having somebody test with you what's more important, what's most important, what's least important. And so what you really need to prioritize. And it, it's not until that coaching conversation happens and people really get tested around their values that you really get down to what's important. That, that's certainly been my experience in working around values in, in career, is that people, well, of course, everybody values honesty. Well, that, you know, that sort of is like a given. But when you're really digging into what's important to people and how important their career is versus, again, their family, that you know everything else that's going on, that process, I think, is a really critical part of what goes on. Absolutely. And values can be useful when you're working with a client as well to help them think about even the kind of organisation that they want to work 
for. So for some people, and I use a kind of a classic example for me personally, which would be British American tobacco. I personally, from a values perspective, wouldn't want to work for them. doesn't matter how much money they would pay me because my values do not align with working for an organization that produces cigarettes because it's just not something that for me would I would be comfortable with. But for someone else, they might say, actually, it doesn't really bother me what the organization is about or what they produce as long as the job is what I want and is fulfilling and allows me to play to my strengths. So just having those sorts of conversations and looking at it from different angles can be really quite powerful. Yeah, and I think as coaches, we've got to be, we shouldn't let our prejudices get in the way because it's really interesting. I dealt with two people who work for natural gas companies and both of them had really high values around the environment. In fact, they thought that they were contributing on an environmental basis because natural gas was better for the environment than oil. So I, I just thought that was really interesting that one person's values and the next person's values, they can be very different. So we mm. should make assumptions around that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So when we were discussing what we both do, both of us really delved into boundaries. And what I thought was interesting is that you actually had an acronym. I've never heard the acronym before. So why don't we go through that? Because I think it's a really nice way to position boundaries. Yeah. So for me, I always think this sounds really simple, but actually it can be really useful exercise to go through. So the acronym is PERTH, P-E-R-T-H. And so if we just work through that, so it's people. What are the kind of people I want to work with in my ideal job? And often that's the kind of work I'll do with clients is almost creating what their ideal job might look like and then using that to see what insights it brings. And it could be people who you can learn from. It could be people who are going to challenge you. It could be people with particular skills. It could be a whole range of different questions you ask yourself as you think about that. Yeah, I think the important thing that comes out for me and people often is basically whether or not it's important for people to have a team. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Some people are happy as, as single contributors because the, the thing that is their peak experience doesn't actually have to do with the team. But for other people, it absolutely has got to do with them developing people and a team or the size of the organization. So that's yeah. often the vector I'm looking at on people. Yeah, absolutely. And then environment, which is the E. So that can be as simple as whether I want to be in an office or I want to be out and about. It could be geographic in terms of whether you want to travel or be based abroad. It could be something deeper in terms of the kind of the culture of the organization. So what else would you think about there? The one that comes up for me a lot is just location and travel mm. because location and travel has a real impact around family yeah so it's often a, a big thing that's there and if people have concerns around what they might call work-life balance again environment can come into that so mm. it's a really good thing to to explore mm. i will often ask where do you see yourself living i can think of one client the expat so they had to be in london because part of the experience was being in london being in suburbs didn't work for them. They had to be in the city. So, you know, it can just be little things like that for, for some people. But yeah, the, the things you touched on as well. So people, environment, and the R stands for? Reward. So if somebody's thinking about changing career, so I had an example of a client I was working with a while ago who had been doing what he'd been doing for about probably 20 odd years, but had always had a bit of a dream about 
being a teacher. But reward was something really quite crucial because at that stage in his life, he had two children, commitment to school fees, mortgage to pay. And so you have to be realistic about what you're able to compromise on. And that's again, is where this kind of acronym can be quite useful because you might be able to compromise on environment, but not reward, for example. So what are the things that you're flexible on and what are the things that are absolutely must have essentials? So it can be really useful just to have a conversation around what is the minimum that you need to be earning? And obviously we're going to aim, find a role for you that's going to really be fulfilling and pay exactly what you want to be paying, but to have a, a sense of what that base level looks like. And also for some people, it's not all about money. So what does reward mean for you? Is that something else? Is it about flexibility in terms of benefits or is it something something else that's perhaps more meaningful for you? Yeah. So reward uh, equates to money, which also in a way equates towards security. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. So it's not something to be ignored. It's not the be all and end all. And for some people, they, they actually don't need the money anymore, but it's more of a I suppose it equates to respect because they don't feel an organisation would be respecting them if they weren't getting a certain amount of money, even though they don't really need it. Yeah, it's a reward. T was task. Yeah, so the sorts of things that you really want to be doing. So again, thinking about ideal job. So the kinds of people I want to be working with, the environment I want to be doing that in, what I want to be paid for doing it, and what are those things I'm actually doing? Am I working one-to-one with individuals? Am I leading big complex projects? Am I setting strategies? What is it that I want to be doing that really excites me, that I find really fulfilling and that plays to all of my strengths and my skills, or at least as much as I can achieve that, so that I wake up on a Monday morning wanting to go to work? Yeah, the answers around tasks really come out of those timeline exercises. Yeah. Again, the amount of times I've been standing next to someone on a a whiteboard or a flip chart and they become aware of something they would never have become aware of in terms of really being able to crystallize what task is they could have sat around thinking about it for weeks and not got there yeah so that i think that clarity around task is definitely something to i think you could you might be able to do the reward thing i could sit down and work the reward thing out for myself yeah but I, i definitely wouldn't work out the task thing And that's where working with a coach, I think, can be really powerful because an example just popped into my head of a client I was working with who was just was feeling a little bit disillusioned with what she was doing and wondering, you know, what next? And she had an example of when she'd been working with someone more junior and I reflected back to her, said, sounds to me like you were coaching her. And the look on her face, her sort of jaw dropped. She was like, and just actually being able to play back to a client the sorts of skills and strengths that we're noticing in them that maybe they either haven't recognised as skills or strengths or perhaps haven't given them the recognition that they deserve. Yeah. What pops into my head there is what has often happened for me is we think we're into a career coaching conversation. And it is a career coaching conversation, but the basis of it is I'm really unhappy here. I want to move. And actually, they're really happy with the task, but it's something else. Yeah. It's got to do with the people in environment, often the environment, but it's something that they can actually control if they go through the process. So my experience of a lot of career coaching is it's not my job to help someone leave an organization. Now, if it comes up during another engagement, it's my job to be really neutral and just help them get to clarity. Yeah. And I would say in over 80% of those cases, the clarity is I'm actually quite happy here. 
Mm. I just need to make a few changes. Yeah, and maybe it's in some nature of the job or the environment. I mean, actually, just thinking about in a kind of a, I was about to say post-COVID world, I'm not entirely sure we can say that at the moment. You know, I've heard of a number of Antipodeans who've made the decision they want to go back home, leave London, leave the UK and be back home with their family because actually the reality of not being able to jump on a plane and go home whenever you need to, which is what coronavirus has meant, has changed for them fundamentally the environment where they want to be working. Yeah, and, and H is for home. Yeah. And, and in brackets and family. Yeah. And I think that's a really critical part of any career coaching engagement is this balance between you know what is happening at work and how does home and family fit in. So again, plans for kids, you know, where kids are and their how old they are. I just talking to someone uh, the other day. They've got one kid in university, another kid just about to go to university. So that really impacts on the reward part of the equation. Mm -hmm. And an exercise I'll often do with a client when I'm doing some maternity coaching, which, as you know, I do quite a lot of, I'll often encourage the client to draw a timeline. So very similar to what you were talking about earlier, but actually looking ahead and actually doing it in five year chunks, because the, the that period of time from when the baby is just born to being five and starting school is often quite a challenging time because the child is tiny and needs 24 seven care, which impacts on the choices you make about your career and your childcare. But actually when that child is five and starts school, there's a big shift in terms of what is required. And then again, when that child is 10, they're suddenly much more independent. They're looking to go be going to secondary school. They're probably getting their own door key, a mobile phone. They can get themselves back and forth from school. So actually looking ahead over that timeline and thinking about what are the needs of my home and family and what are the needs of my career? And just even acknowledging that this doesn't last forever can be quite powerful. And family is not just about children. The amount of times we've had a career coaching conversation and it's about the partner. Yeah. So I was engaged by someone last year, the year before, and they had been made redundant from a major organization. And the question was, does he try to get back into another major organization in his 50s, which is not an easy thing to do in the role he was in, or do another um, small company? He'd started up and grown two successful small companies before he'd had this major organizational role. And what came through was the reason that those two previous small company startups had been successful, because he was able to work very closely with his spouse. Right. His spouse was not up for doing another one. So that was a really huge part of the direction that he chose. Basically, if his partner wasn't going to be there, he wasn't going to take something like that on. And he moved back towards another major organizational role, which he got, which was fantastic. Yeah. What was so important was the success of any small business venture mm -hmm. for him was working closely with her. Right. Okay. An instrumental part of his decision making process. Yeah. So... Home and family is not always about kids. Absolutely. And I mean, I've had clients whose partners maybe are studying. They've gone back to university and they're studying full time or partners who are self-employed. And so therefore they're the main breadwinner. So all of these things are really important factors that need to be considered. And that's why it's a really simple acronym, but actually really going through these step by step and doing some exercises, asking yourself some powerful questions can be really quite insightful. Absolutely. I'm just thinking 
you know, that perth acronym and going through all of those things, are, that, that's what a lot of what people would get out of career coaching. But we don't do CVs in, in LinkedIn, et cetera. But what about that? If that comes up in a conversation for you, because it is an important thing yeah. nowadays, particularly LinkedIn. What's your, do, do you just hand people off to other people or what's your, what would your tips be for people looking at? Well, I'd say that there's some work that we could do together around articulating your strengths and your achievements. So what are the things that you would want to be able to tell a future employer? And that is useful material to go into a CV or a LinkedIn profile. But if someone is looking for specific guidance on how to write the best CV or the best LinkedIn profile, then I think there are people out there who are much more skilled at that than I am. So I would definitely refer them on. Yeah, I think the thing that a coach can do for you is even before you get to the CV writer or the LinkedIn professional is actually look at the narrative because there's a story to your career. Mm. There's a story to why you're moving, for example, and helping people get clear on a really positive narrative before they engage with those people, I think is 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 quite a good thing to do. I mean, I'll, always, I'll pass over a CV if there's anything that's clearing. And I think the other thing is maybe it's less so with with younger people but i think there's an attitude for a lot of people which is they're either employed by the company or they're leaving it's a binary thing yeah i'm here or i'm going and what linkedin has done is it's meant that you're permanently on the market Mm -hmm. whether you choose to be or not as long as you've got a linkedin profile so at any moment someone can be calling you up yeah. And I also think it's really healthy for people to go for interviews, even when they're very happily be, being employed, because they mm. can benchmark how, how valuable they are, what else is, is out there. So I think it's actually helping people shift their mindset from either or to is both I am employed and working at this organization and I'm always on the market. Mm, And that reminds me of a conversation we had um, where I was talking about the different kinds of career planning or you can be a career activist or a career pacifist. So pacifist is when you're pretty relaxed, pretty easygoing, don't necessarily have a plan for your career. If the phone rings, it's an interesting job, you might explore it. Whereas if you're a career activist, you're quite planful. You're looking ahead, you're thinking about where you want to go and what the skills and strengths are that you need in order to get there. And in my experience, we're neither one or the other. We tend to fluctuate between them depending on where we are in our lives and and how happy we are in our jobs. And it reminded me of this theory by Crumboltz, his theory of planned happenstance. And essentially what that alludes to is exactly the point you've just made, which is doesn't matter how happily employed you are in your role, be open to possibilities because if you haven't got your eyes open and you're not got your head above the parapet looking up and out and LinkedIn is a prime example of that you might just miss the very best opportunity that you hadn't perhaps thought would be coming your way so I think for me it's not about being either a pacifist or an activist it's being somewhere in the middle which is that happenstance keep your eyes and ears open for those opportunities because you never quite know what's going to happen. And just one final point on that is uh, something that sometimes people might ask is how long should I stay with a particular employer? And I don't think that there is a silver bullet answer for that because it depends <laughs> on, because as you've alluded to, you might move internally within the organization. That role might be an entirely different role with an entirely different um, skill set attached to it or load of experience attached to it. I would always say that there is value in having some varied experience 
So just encouraging people to have that open mind, I think, for the call and not allowing themselves to work in one place for too long, I think is something that's worthwhile considering. Yeah, I think it's a variety because some of the most successful CEOs have worked for the same organisation all of their lives. Mm. They really know that organisational, but they've been able to move between functions and role, roles, etc., such that they've got the variety, but within a single organisation. Yeah. And, I, and as I say, I'm not sure there's a silver bullet answer. I'm not sure that you would say it's every two years because that's not going to be right for everybody. But there is a whole, we could do a whole podcast on this probably. If we think about the kind of millennials coming into the workforce and what motivates them, what they're looking for, which is frequent feedback, values-led work, work-life balance, they're less likely to stay with an organisation for five to 10 years. Okay, so I think that's probably enough for us to wrap up on and what's in it for an individual working with a career coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll look at how it fits into an organisational setup in our next one. Yeah. But I suppose, because we quite often end up on a tip, but I think that the tip this time round would be just look at the acronym PERTH, which we'll put in the uh, show notes. Yeah, I think so. Hopefully welcome everybody back for our next one on Career Coach. That's great. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.